welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Welcome to the ABCA's mini-series, Father and Son. In this series, we cover the coach-player and parent-child relationship through the eyes of the coach and their sons who played for them. This is a truly unique relationship, and this mini-series should be of value to any coach, parent, or player. Thanks for tuning in, and please enjoy Father and Son. Next on Father and Son are Eric and Jake Schneider. Eric has coached at the University of Louisville for the past six seasons. In that time span, Louisville has had two CWS appearances, four ACC Atlantic Division Championships, and four NCAA Super Regional appearances. Prior to Louisville, Coach Schneider was the associate head coach at the University of Illinois. Prior to Illinois, Eric was the GM and manager of the Waterloo Bucks in the Northwoods League. He also had stops as manager of the Champaign Colts and the CICL and assistant stops at Austin P and Iowa. Jake played for Eric at Louisville from 2017 to 2019. The 18 and 19 seasons ended in Omaha at the College World Series. Jake was drafted in 2019 by the Pittsburgh Pirates and is currently working his way through the Pirates farm system. Welcome to Father and Son. All right, well, here with Eric and, and Jake Schneider. Appreciate you guys coming on on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to you both. Thanks, Ryan. Right. Appreciate it. I want to start with the recruiting process. You know, Eric, and you and I talked. I was still coaching at the time. Um, you you mentioned everything was going to run through Holly. Can you guys just talk about the, the recruiting process and how you guys worked that? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it started uh, pretty young, I think, maybe in his sophomore year, ninth grade, 10th grade year. And, you know, we talked about it as a family and uh, – you know, basically, I know all the coaches and stuff, and I wanted Jake and mom, my wife, Holly, to, uh, you know, have an opportunity to do that. So I know they, they, they did all the visits. So. Jake, how was your perspective on that? Did you, do you feel like that worked well for you guys, um, having your mom be a big part of the process? Um, I mean, you don't really know my mom, but um, yeah, I think it was a bigger part. I think it was important for her to kind of be involved in that way because she wasn't necessarily always like in, extremely involved and in kind of stuff like that. So I think it was important for her to kind of be able to see everything and kind of take everything in because, I mean, he knows most of the stuff that go into it, but it was important for her to uh, like, kind of understand that and see how everything works. How was her perspective then you plan for your dad? Um, it kind of depended on the depending on the week <laughs> but um i mean once all said and over with i mean i wouldn't have had it really any other way um obviously sometimes i mean i think that she wishes that kind of went somewhere else so that she got to leave the house every now and again but um i think it all worked out my mom felt the same way as well she wanted me to go somewhere else but you know what was that conversation then with with her and your dad that okay i'm gonna i'm gonna decide to, to play for for my dad how was that conversation um, I think it came down to um, not a lot of people know this, but um, Eric Backage, the coach at Michigan, he uh, called me 
like a week or two after my dad got the job and he pretty much told me like, cause that was one of the schools I was looking at. And he pretty much told me I'm not allowed to go, go there anymore. Cause obviously he had a coach with coach McDonald and um, he said, I mean, that's just the only place that you can really go. So honestly, that's probably the biggest thing that influenced me into that, just having another coach who wanted me there. And then all of a sudden I got the chance to play for one of his good friends. He said, there's just no other option um, but to play for him. Eric, had you coached Jake at all before college and in any sort of organized sports setting? I won tournament. Oh yeah. One baseball, one, one baseball tournament. Um, when, what age were you, Jake? Like I was like 11 or 12, probably. Which team was it? Uh, Champagne tribe. I think we just needed a, the coaches couldn't be there or something. And I think he just filled in. It was oh, a weekend, man. weekend tournament. I think, yeah. it was, I think it was in Indianapolis. Um, one of the few games I actually got to watch, none of the coaches showed up. And next thing I know, um, obviously my wife, Holly, just told me to do it. And, you know, at that age, I'm thinking all recruiting. You know, can I do that? Can I, you know, I can't do it. Obviously, they were 10, 11, 12 years old. And, yeah, that experience um, was my one and only experience I had. And um, now I never, I never, re- I never coached a team with Jake. I just always watched him play, and uh, whenever I could. And obviously, as he got older in high school, it became really challenging for me to be able to see games, and that was hard. That was that was hard on on me. But again, you know, he just played the game. He had fun, and he's with his buddies. And that's all that mattered. Jake, talk about the transition then in high school where you have to make that move then going into your senior year. Um, I mean, it was tough, but I think at the end of the day, it was probably better for me to kind of get acclimated down here. Um, Cause I mean, all the guys who come in freshman year, they're not used to being in a new place or whatever. And I mean, after that first year, I was used to being here. So I didn't have to do any of that kind of transition to be able to come here. And I mean, that's how it is for most of the guys who are from Louisville and they end up coming to school here. It's just a little bit easier on them um, for the first semester or the first year overall. Did that help then freshman year with your transition? I would say so. Mm-hmm. How was it then working out before you showed up freshman year with everybody? How is that experience where you're working out with everybody before school starts in the fall? Uh, like over the summer? Yes. Um, I mean – kind of just you just get thrown into the fire it's kind of eye-opening um just to see how um people work out here and all the players what they do um but i think it's good to be able to get the six weeks in before uh actually having them be with everybody it helps guys a lot because i mean a lot of guys are just everything's new to them and obviously the working out stuff and the baseball stuff so it's just a good time to be able to try to make a transition where you can do it kind of on your own um amongst the other freshmen that are coming in when I was coming out I don't think there were any rules so I worked out with Evansville's basketball team at 6 30 in the morning the summer before like I who knows if that, that was even legal but I'm out there pushing cars around the track our strength coach's car that was one of our days is you're in you're doing a four-man relay with pushing the car around and I'm in there with guys like Parrish Casebeer, who was an All-American, and they're working out, and you're seeing them just get after it. And that, for me, was eye-opening. I'd been in there before, but not in that type of setting. So that was great for my transition going into freshman year, was working out with the basketball team. Right. 
can both of you talk about how you handled the, the father-son and then player-coach relationship um, in college? I'll let Jake take that one. Um, um, I think freshman year, I think it was just a little weird because, I mean, obviously it's the first time I've been around him for an extended period of time like this. But um, kind of as it got going, it was a little bit easier. Um, I mean, there's no – I don't think there's any issue with uh, it being like that's my dad on the field and I'm pretty – most of the guys knew that he treated me just like everyone else, probably a little bit worse, but it's just how it is. <laughs> I think we all get it worse probably in the beginning than what everybody else does. But I think that's good for your teammates to see that as well. And then yeah. Eric, Eric, talk a little bit about that. Cause you're the assistant. Um, just as far as you're coach to McDonald's conversations that you guys had about Jake during that time. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was tough on these guys because I mean, I left my whole family in Champaign and I think that was Jacob's junior year. And we have Jen and Noah who were in, you know, in ninth grade and, you know, to leave everybody for what, 12, 14 months, um, you know, I was away from these guys. And then Jake went through some injuries uh, his senior, his senior year and led into his freshman year, even his sophomore year in college. So, um, I think the uh, transition for him was, uh, it was tough, a little tough mentally, but as a dad, as an assistant coach, um, I deal with the hitters. So I wasn't working with the infielders. I wasn't with the outfielders. And for me, I had an opportunity to see Jacob every day, you know, hitting wise. And he always had a pretty good feel for the barrel and what he wanted to do. And, um, you know, I, uh, I just be honest with you, I just treat him like everybody else. And there's a couple times, a couple moments, and I'm sure a lot of coaches that coach your kid have, have this moment where I'm ready to say something to him. And then I ask myself, would I say that tone the same way to another player? And I catch myself like two or three different times. Um, my whole thing was always talking with him was about just relax and let your athletic ability you know, work for you. And, uh, but again, I, for me, it was a great experience because I saw a kid come in and he left as a, as a man and how he dealt with adversity. And again, I don't know the pressure that he had to play, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough to players. It's very competitive and, um, you know, the fans are, are with you, but they can also go against you, you know, as well. And, um, yeah, I, as a dad, I was really proud of how he handled it as a coach. I always felt like he could just relax a little bit and just play. And he always seemed to do that the second half and into the postseason. He always, always played extremely well. Jake, what do you feel like helped you the most slowing things down? And you were battling some injuries. So you go from, you know, playing a little bit and then playing at the end of the year. And then I think your junior year, you finally got a chance to play every day. Was it health? Um, you know, was it slowing down? What were some of the things that kind of helped you slow everything down? Um, it was, I mean, freshman year and I played all my sophomore year, but going into that year, I had an arm surgery. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of tough to kind of get back into the rhythm and everything. So kind of getting on the field again, like you just want to pretty much prove that you're, you can do good and stuff. And I think that just kind of always at the beginning of the year, I think that was always my problem. Um, but toward the end of the year, we kind of settle in and just relax and kind of let myself play. But I mean, I wish I would have 
kind of gone about it a little bit differently just for the fact that I could have put together some better years overall um, if I would have kind of taken that mindset into the entire entirety of the year. What would you switch if you could go back and do freshman year over again to get off to a better start? Because you're not the only guy that does this. I've dealt with that. I dealt with that for 22 years where you would have some slow starters and then especially around conference play, they'd start to get into a little bit of a groove. What would you go back and change if you could change something? Um, I'd probably look at just whatever I was doing kind of so like freshman year, I just DH. I would just if I were to change that, I would just look at it one at bat at a time instead of trying to linger in about the past ones. I might play here and there, and I'm kind of thinking about uh, what I did two weeks ago. I don't want to do that again kind of a thing. So that's probably the biggest thing I would have changed. How hard was that? You're going – and you see it a lot at the college level. You never had a DH before. How did you start to handle being in the DH role? Uh, it was kind of weird uh, just kind of sitting there not really knowing what to do, and then you get up and hit. Um Kind of makes you think a little bit more i think that's another thing that kind of played into it because you're just sitting there and you get, don't really have anything other to do than to think about what you did because you don't got to go play defense or anything so i mean that's just something that's a whole nother world and for the guys that can do that really well i mean it it's something really hard to do i would make our dh do our defensive spray chart i felt like that helped them just to get over it because i knew okay they're coming in they've never had to just sit and, and think about their ABs. So I just felt like it helped them, even though we hardly ever use that chart. Like I, I made them do it just because it, it helped them kind of stay in the flow of the game. And if they had a tough AB, it would allow them to kind of forget about it. Um, just so, and they, sometimes they'd bellyache. I'm like, trust me, this is going to help you in the long run because you're going to be able to think, not think about some of your at-bats at times. So what were kind of the biggest challenges for you guys with the, the father and son relationship? I'll let you take that one, Jake. I don't know. Um, I don't know. They're kind of like what he said. There'd be sometimes like you wanted to, I don't know, pretty much pop off, I guess, but you know that you couldn't really do it. But I mean, that's probably the biggest thing, just understanding uh, how to separate the two. Um, but now I think it's a lot better in terms of the relationship when we're actually going out and doing stuff uh, like this time right now and we've been going out every week and uh, hitting or doing whatever. I mean, I think it, I think it's helped um, being able to separate the two because you're a little bit more professional um, when you're actually doing the baseball stuff. How much are you relying on your dad right now? You're going through the pro ball side of it. How much are you relying on him from an instruction and development standpoint? Um, I mean, right now kind of, kind of need him to be able to do all the things that I need to get done in a day. So um, I mean, it's huge right now. I mean, I know a lot of guys in pro ball, they don't have the opportunity to even go out somewhere and hit, or they're just barely able to work out in the basement. So, I mean, it's huge to be able to have that. What are your guys' favorite memories from the time at Louisville? I would say Omaha every time, both Did, times. Yeah, went to, went to Omaha twice and uh, went in the regional. Uh, I think this his junior year, he was the most outstanding player in the regional. That was pretty cool, you know, from a dad's perspective. Um, uh, just watching him with his teammates and and those guys just uh, coming together as one. Um, you know, like I said, I thought uh, we handled it. Coach Mack was awesome with the, the whole situation. Like you said, nothing's easy. And, um, you know, it was just about work and that group of guys and 
and your kids a part of it and to see them jump on the dog pile. Yeah, man, that's, that's pretty cool. So Tracy, Tracy Smith mentioned walking through the gate for opening ceremonies at TD Ameritrade. Like he said, that was his best memory was not even on the field. It was just walk, getting to walk through the gate with his son to TD Ameritrade to, for opening ceremonies. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's just, you see the, the smile, I, I the smile or the locked in and uh, the confidence and from the time he was a freshman and it's no different than everybody else, you know, from the time he's a freshman to what he's a, he's a junior. So he just, he was more aware. And like you said, they just, uh, they become more professional and they enjoy it. You know, they see it as a positive rather than a, so-called negative. Eric, did you have bigger butterflies during a game when Jake was at bat as opposed to other guys at bat? I've never, I've never really told anybody. <laughs> My only dad moments every year was the first at bat of the season. No different than as a player. It, it doesn't matter how much you hit and you could have a hundred hits last year. And then you come, you start your new season and I always say this, you know, with Mac and everybody, hey, until the kids get their first hit, you just leave them alone. Yep. You know, they just want their first hit. And uh, for me, that was the, every year, the first A-B or the first hit. And once they got their first hit out of the way, then they just went and played. Yep. And uh, yeah, that for me, I always had that that butterfly type of thing. And then after it was done, you know, I'm a third base coach, so he'd come over at third and we'd have our little normally if i'd said something to him he'd pop off back about something so it's just uh, like i said it, it he made it fun for me jake what about that experience has then helped you with professional baseball and, and what you're doing now with playing um i mean being here that's kind of what i mean that's what everyone strives for so coach mac uh strength coach zach farrell he makes everything kind of prepare you for that because ultimately you're going to have 35 guys on a roster who all desire to play professional baseball so I mean going through that for three years it mean I don't think any other program um, can really prepare players for professional baseball like this one does um, I mean and you're seeing that in the last three or four years with all the guys that are coming up um, but I mean, this is just the best place to, in order to prepare you in order to play professional baseball and in order to succeed in professional baseball. Well, and you're battling for at-bats at that level too, right? It's not any different. You're going to battle mm -hmm. for at-bats in college, and then you're battling for at-bats on the pro side as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, competition is huge. Um, Coach Mack makes that apparent. If you're not going to compete, you're probably not going to play because um, there's two or three other guys at every position that are going to work harder or just as hard as you. So, I mean, that's huge. Eric, what about coaching Jake then's helped you be a better coach now? Um, wow, that's that's a good question. Um I we we always say this as coaches and 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 Ryan, you you know, you probably feel the same way. You feel like you're a better coach now than you were 10, 15 years ago because you have your own you have you 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 have your own children and you raise children and how much of an influence that you have on a kid, like you watch what you say, because I can say something to a kid and he can go home and beat himself up in his apartment and he'll alienate himself. So I think you're just, you're more aware of the words, you know, that you say to the players. And I find myself, I still get after these guys, but I find myself um, making sure that they're confident. I mean, 
confident and positive about their ability that they trust everything that they do, the work habits, and just trust the process. And that whether it's good or bad, you're still a good player. And, um, and uh, you know, helping others. And sometimes I think it helps if you know the game. And I always felt like Jake knew the game, like you know, a lot of other kids. Um, and you take, you don't worry about yourself. I think as they get older, freshman, sophomore, junior, they start to be aware of everybody. And like you said, doing a chart, um, doing the offensive hitting chart, all that, all that stuff, I think just helps them take away from me. And, uh, and, you know, like I said, we, uh, I'm proud of these guys. I'm proud of him. And uh, hopefully you just continue to work and keep on punching the clock every day. And Jake, I got a chance to watch you all the way through, you know, from high school to college. Can you talk a little bit? Because I think you're a good example of a guy that worked himself into a professional baseball player. You weren't in high school, and you worked yourself into a professional baseball player. Can you talk a little bit about even before high school training-wise, then high school, and then college, some of the things that kind of helped you along the way from a training standpoint? Um, Training standpoint, I mean, I think I started really training, like, maybe seventh grade, um, kind of named Joe Yeager. Um, kind of took me under his wing, and, and like you said, I was in no no shape ready to play professional baseball at that point. Um, but I mean, going with him until my junior year, I mean, I think that was huge in order to kind of just set a better foundation for myself in order to go and play college, and then obviously going to capitalize off of that um, in college and then being able to be where I am right now. Um, but I think the biggest thing that helped in college is you're just looking at all the older guys every day. And you kind of just want to strive to be like them. Because, um, like, freshman year, I mean, I had Brennan McKay, Drew Ellis, Devin Hairston, all all these guys who, I mean, you just wanted to be like them. So you just try to push yourself in the weight room or on the field every day. Do you feel like some of the training that you're doing then, if you do get banged up, allowed you to get back on the field quicker? Um, for sure. I mean, if, you're, if your body's in a better spot, um, you know, like physically, I think you have a better chance of being able to come back quicker than some guys who might not uh, have necessarily that kind of foundation built under them. Jake, is there anything you want to ask your dad about during the time that you were playing for him that maybe you've never asked him? Um, I, I, always, I always think about the regional at Texas Tech. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That's the first time I actually, I went off, you know, and I've gone off on guys, but I went off, I think, but again, he had some kind of little nagging injury. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I was always like, cause the kid can run like all these other guys. Like, yeah, come my, on, dude, steal second and third. Yeah. Like you can do it in two pitches. You know, I've always been, been that way. And anyway, I don't know. Yeah. My hip was, it was kind of, it didn't feel good for that entire entire regional. I'm I remember he was he was getting pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You don't have any moments. I don't know. Eric, um, do you want to ask him anything? Um. Did you feel pressure because your dad's a coach? Um, More so, like a little in bit. high school and compare high school to college. I mean, um, I mean, high school in Champaign, it's like really small and everyone seems to have their own opinion. And I was always just, I could play good because of my dad. It was always something like that. But we all went through it. Yeah. In college, I mean, it was a little bit different. I, 
it was probably more pressure to actually perform because I mean those guys were never never like that. I mean it was a really good group um, where it was never about I'm only here because my dad because they all saw that. But I mean it was pressure on myself in order to perform um, to kind of prove that I should be here, kind of a thing. Which older guys helped you the most your freshman year? You think? Uh, Ryan Summers. Yeah. He uh, his dad what, was a marine. He was a marine or he was something. So Summers was high energy wound a little bit different um but, but i mean that was a guy who really helped me his dad his uncle was the uh, baseball operations guy at louisville so he kind of kind of showed me and i mean i still talk to him today so he's just kind of one of the guys who really helped me probably more than anyone along the way in that first year eric talk through kind of the 12 month cycle you, i think you're great one of the best guys we have in the game from developing hitters can you just kind of go through recommended you know high school level especially or getting into college you know um, is there time to shut down do we need to be going the whole year is there time to get away from it and jake you can talk about this too maybe some things now that you're you're a little bit older is there time to get away from it but just talk about kind of the whole the 12 month cycle uh, for what you feel like is going to be best for a hitter. Well, you, and I think you know this with having your own kids and your son, when you're away from your kids and then you're back at home, I want to see, I want to, I want to work. I want to work with him. I think we went through that where we almost over, over trained. We probably mm -hmm. hit way more than what we should have. And I think it tapered down, but the year I was away from him, and my whole family that year, he'd send me a video like once a week. And I think he spent more time lifting, getting stronger, being athletic, you know, playing his other sports and, and doing that. Um, and uh, that's where I saw him actually make that jump. Um, I don't think he swung as much as you did when you were younger. And, um, but I think you got, I think you have to take time off. Um, you know, from the start of the, uh, for a high school kid, you know, they're playing their other sports. So play your other sports. I think you don't even have to pick up a bat until your season's over with, because you end up being athletic enough where you can come back in January and start, you know, start working. And, um, you know, I think early season was like three times a week. I think that's a, a good thing building up to five times a week. Uh, you're kind of going through that now. You know, he's acting like it's December or January. Exactly. For not knowing what's, you know, going on. Um, but uh, I really think that rather than you can do something daily for 20 or 30 minutes, I think you get more out of that four or five days a week than you do working two or three hours, three times a week. So it's about punching the clock every day from the development side. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we do machines early, right away, just machines coming in 90, 95. And rather than do the drill stuff to make yourself look pretty and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of did always did it backwards. Mm -hmm. um, so he was challenged so early. And I, I, I just got done talking with a lot of other coaches about this is that I, as hitting guys, I think we want to do the perfect drill for them to make them look good rather than just challenge them from the get go. So I think I'm a whole to part back to whole teaching rather than do, you know, lower half drill, upper half drill, 
you know, whatever you're going to do and then do the whole thing. I don't know if I'm making sense, but yeah. it's more. Jake, how more much warm up time on those, those machine days that you're hitting off the machine early, how much warm up time are you giving yourself before you get in there off, off a 95 mile an hour fastball? Um, I mean, when we're kind of going through that kind of phase, I always have my own little T thing that I go through, always have my certain drills that I do. Off what is it. that? Can you just, can you kind of go specifics on that? What your T routine is? Um, so I go just, I don't use my lower half at all. Kind of widen out just a little bit. Um, just use my hands, no lift, no nothing, no backside. And then just hands and backside, same thing, no lift and then put it all together. And then, um, one thing that I picked up that I really like now from uh, Pirates is I got like a little like foam pad that I put my back foot under. Um, so I go through that off the tee. Um, and then sometimes I'll do like split grip. Hey, with the pad, what do you like the most about that pad? Um, it teaches like body awareness. Um, so if you come up and you lift up your foot and you're not on that backside, you're just going to fly, fly forward. Or you're going to go somewhere because you have the instability of the pad. So it really teaches you how to kind of engage your backside and can engage your core. I wish I would have did it five years ago. That's perfect, <laughs> man. Well, and that's why I'm asking. Um, I think everybody's got their set drills that they really like. I think there's, that's the individualization of, of any sort of athleticism and, and playing baseball. Everybody, especially as you get continue to keep playing, you're going to find things that really help you that that may not help somebody else, but you really like it. And so I do like asking that question because I think people need to hear that. There's going to be hitters that are listening in and okay, here's what you like and why you like it. And it's, it's great that you have some routines and you've picked up new things. I think that's a cool thing about you're getting to play still is you're going to pick up new things as you go and being in a different organization. Um, can you talk about maybe some of that part of it too? Maybe some of the things that, you know, you're around your dad, your whole life. He's a great baseball man. Maybe some of the other things that you picked up once you got away from him. Um, I mean, it, he's pretty pretty old school in terms of stuff, and we got all this stuff going on. Um, so I kind of like to. I mean, I like to listen to what everybody has because the Pirates they have kind of both new school and old school. And um, I think some guys kind of get caught up. They want to like make every person happy. You want to do everything that they want to do. Um, and I see, I, I mean, I see that I saw that when I was at spring training for those couple of weeks where these guys are just doing all these sorts of things and they're just doing it to do it. Um, but I think you got to really think about like, does this make sense for you and your swing? Um, cause you don't want to be doing what 10 different drills every day and then just keep on doing that with different guys. Cause I mean, all those are not going to work for you. So kind of pick and choose, obviously I'm going to have a good base cause I'm not into all the kind of launch angle and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not your game either. I mean, you're, you're a speed guy too, so you're going to stay above the ball flatter because your your speed play, and the numbers show that too. Even the, you know, the upper level launch angle guys are going to tell you that too. Like that, you got to play to your strength. So if you're a guy that can hit the ball in the air and get it out, do that. But if you're not, then then you can't do that, and that's part of knowing your strengths as well. What are some of the numbers you know out there that are, are showing you that that side of things with the new new tech that's out there? Um, I wouldn't say that they're trying to get me to hit the ball like in the air or the, obviously, obviously sometimes you kind of want to see that and, uh, just show yourself that you have the ability. So I mean, well, you want to take it for a test run sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think just getting, not getting the ball super high in the air, more of the, um, like line drive, um, just more, more consistent with that kind of keeping the ball more so off the ground. Cause this last summer, I mean, I put the ball on the ground a large portion of the time, but the exit below was still there. So I was still able to hit 
it was still to go through the holes, but I mean, just kind of working more just over the infielders heads in front of the outfielders, just kind of more that route. Eric, and I, a lot of people probably don't know this with your summer league coaching background. Can you give me some of your favorite Champagne Colts stories and then Waterloo Bucks stories? Um, wow. You know, I, I did that for like 10 years, man. That was like 20 years ago. Uh, I, you know what I love? I love hey, can you talk about your bus at Champagne? Because I was playing in the CICL at this time. Can you talk about your bus for Champagne? Oh, um, I think I had to get a CDL. So I was coaching, coaching in the Central Illinois Collegiate League. So I had, you know, 25 guys from all over the country and had Midwest kids, had a lot of West Coast kids, you know, at that time. So it's the first time those West Coast kids actually spent time in the Midwest. And, and we travel, you know, 45 minutes to Decatur and, uh, you know, all the different areas. And I think we were at Decatur or Springfield and, we're coming back, um, you know, on the bus, on the, on the bus. And it was old, man. It was old. It, but again, you did what you did and we they had food in the back and I'm driving and, you know, they're college kids. So they're always messing with you all the time. And, you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night coming home. And next thing I know, I hear the players going, coach, there's a fire on the bus. And, you know, I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm just driving because they're always saying something. But I'm sitting there driving. Next thing I know, there's like smoke <laughs> coming toward me. You know, so I open up the thing and I pull off the side of the road, and and uh, the old bus had the engine in the back. And I come out of the back, and I don't know anything about an engine. You know what I'm saying? I'm just and literally, it looked like a fireplace. So the next thing I know, get everybody off the bus. And we're on the middle of interstate, I think it was interstate 72. And, and next thing I know, like the bus is actually on fire. And then the fire, you know, the fire department came out. Yeah, it was crazy. I don't even know how we got home that night. To be honest, I don't even remember. And then the other time my headlights went out <laughs> and uh, I had Garvalone. He was a shortstop out of UCLA and he was opened up the door, you know, the, the door, and he was looking at the white line on the interstate. He'd go right, left, right, left. We had no lights because we all wanted to get, you know, get back to Champagne and stuff. And yeah, that was scary. So that was, you know, I don't know if you've ever driven 45 minutes in the dark at 25 miles an hour on the interstate. But yeah, those are fun times. My Waterloo experience in Northwoods League. Uh, I just had a great group of kids from all over the place, real competitive, um, you know, we just had a lot of things happen with umpires. I don't, I shouldn't even talk about them, but it, it was a cool experience. I'll never forget that. It was fun. And that leads into my next one. I, I got a question with our recruiting seminar webinar we did the other night. A guy texted me and we didn't get around to it. And I was going to ask you this. You know, you and I both had summer league coaching backgrounds. You know, I did it for five summers, but we're in a different era now in 2020. For a young assistant that's out there right now, recommend, okay, is it okay to go coach in the summer? Are they going to be better off getting into recruiting and, and working summer camps? What are some recommended recommendations for a young assistant? You know, a 23, 24-year-old assistant that's out there right now, recommendations. Yeah, you know that's that that's the whole thing as being a young as being a young coach because obviously 
you know, if you're a volunteer coach or you're, you're a coach that's working camps, um, you know, I, I can remember this as a young coach when I was at Austin P is that they wanted me to stick around recruiting. And I was more about, Hey, I want to make some more money. Exactly. Live, you know, cause you living off of 500 bucks a week or excuse me, a month. Exactly. And then, um, trying to figure it out. You hear that Jake, you know, so anyway, <laughs> and I wanted to go out and coach cause I wanted to be around kids and learn the game and, uh, manage a, a club. I just see, see that as, as being very beneficial because in the recruiting world, man, I'm just telling you the way stuff is now you it's an everyday 24, seven, 365 days out of the year. And I think you get so lost in evaluating that um, sometimes the, on the field and managing a team and doing all that kind of stuff um, gets pulled away. But it, I would say as a, as a young coach, if you have a head coach, I would actually let you go out for the summer and do it. No different than the head coaches to get team USA opportunities. You know, I, you know, I think they should give young coaches that opportunity to at least go out one summer to do that. And then they make a decision what route they want to go, because a lot of us, you know, it goes recruiting base and then you go, you know, you keep on trying to move up the ladder and, and for people that want to be a head coach, an opportunity for that, I think you need all aspects of the baseball opportunity, whether it's managing, handling players and doing all that. And like I said, if I had to do it all over again, I'd still do the same thing I'm doing. I loved it. I love doing the summer stuff. I was a GM and a field manager. So I got both the business side and, and all that. And I, I really enjoyed doing everything from that standpoint. But I think if you have an opportunity to be able to manage a team for at least one summer for these young guys, I think it's really, really important. But we all know the reason why college programs thrive is recruiting. You exactly. know, you can be the best coach, but you still need, you still need dudes, man. And uh, the recruiting aspect is really, really important. I felt like summer ball was great from a coaching standpoint, from being able to make mistakes you know, the spring, there, there's so much more pressure on you in the spring as a coach with wins and losses that summer ball. And I think that's why players like summer baseball as well is because you're, yeah. you're trying to win, but it's not like winning in the spring right. um, yeah. where, where every game is life and death in the spring where you're not going to have that in the summer. So from a development standpoint, you can it's OK to work on things and tinker with things. And as a coach, it's OK to to work on things and tinker with things at times as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the thing is, when it came down to it, because I had all these kids in the summer, and there were some kids that would say, it's just summer baseball, and then my season coming into the spring. And what I tried to do, um, I ran everything professional. It was early work, hitting every day, but we had fun doing it. Um, you know, where other clubs we played, and again, that's what they wanted to do. They just roll out and just, you know, play the game, but my whole thing was baseball is baseball. It doesn't matter where you're at. You still got to go out and compete. You've still got to go out and perform and you got to prepare for everyday living, so to speak. And, you know, again, as a, a dad to a son, as a coach to a player, it, it's about, Hey, you're going through tough times. You guys aren't playing, man. You just got to tap the rock and you got to be ready to go once they say play ball and some days it's going to, it's going to suck, you know, cause you just don't know when you're going to play. And um, 
I just think it's really important to have that mindset of competition. You went through competition every single day he was here at, at Louisville and it's not going to change. And um, you still got to compete all the way until you're an old man like myself. Jake, you get into the pro season and you're playing every day. How much early work are you doing as a player? And, and when, like, what's the prescription like for yourself personally? Like, are you doing it every day? Or are you taking days off? It kind of depends how I'm feeling. Um, obviously both physically and actually, um, mentally kind of a thing. Um, when are you but, making that gauge? Is that when you wake up? When, when are you gauging like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling okay. When are you gauging that, that if you're going to do early work or not? Kind of walking out there kind yeah. of a thing. Just, take it from like, how about, how have I been doing kind of a thing? Cause I mean, there's some times where you're in a good spot and you don't want to kind of mess with it too much. Obviously you still got to keep on doing what you're doing, but you don't want to kind of overdo it in terms of, cause you can kind of psych yourself out kind of, if you keep on doing some or you're trying to make something happen. Um, and then if it's not going so well, I mean, you might, you might do a little bit more for that kind of for that week. But I mean, toward the end of the pro season, um, I really wasn't, I really wasn't doing that much in terms of uh, like early work wise. I think our BP was relatively short every day. We kind of just show up and play. What are some of your keys you use as a hitter when things do start to slide? Brian Siebert, you talk about seniors that helped you. Brian Siebert was a senior at Evansville when I was a freshman. And he was like, hey, just try to hit the ball back to the pitcher, you know, as hard as you can if you start to slide. And I would always use that. That was my go back to in game if I started to struggle at the plate, do you have any cues that you use in game or in, in practice to help you get back? If you feel like things are starting to slide a little bit, if you're not squaring the ball up consistently. Well, if I'm starting to slide a little bit, um, we try to use a like right center gap kind of use, did that this summer. Um, just cause I mean, you're not, you can't pull off if you're using that gap, but I mean, at the same time, you gotta, you gotta get your barrel out there. You still gotta, make a have a good contact point kind of a thing um because i would used to kind of i still find myself doing i try and go the other way a little bit too much and um, kind of forcing it to go that way um isn't always the best thing for your swing if you're not uh like doing it in the right way so i mean i think for me using that right center field gap kind of always gets me back uh uh going or on track can you tell if you're pushing the ball a little bit too much trying to go that way because I mean, either I'll get jammed or I'll start flaring stuff or I'll start fouling stuff off into the uh, cage. But um, lately, I've just been trying to use the middle because in spring training, we kind of talked about that because um, we got an old hitting guy. He played with uh, Pete Rose <laughs> back a while ago. And uh, so me and him, we kind of that's probably the guy I always go to. And we just always that's really the biggest thing we just talked about using the more middle. So you got the left center, right center gap, and then obviously the middle of the field. And for me, I think that's just the best when I'm trying to use that. It's the best. Talk about memories growing up. We got a chance to go watch Pete Rose, uh, second game before he broke the, the Ty Cobb's record. Uh, we went and watched, so he didn't get to hit that game, but I got to meet Gary Carter after the game. My dad lined it up and Gary Carter was one of my guys, Gary Carter and Johnny bench. Cause I was a catcher growing up. So th those were my two guys. So like, I, I remember more about getting a chance to talk to Gary Carter as much as watching Pete Rose, but he broke it the next game. But you know, you have, you have so many cool memories being around it like that that uh it's just fun part of it eric can you talk about speaking on the main stage at the abca this year i had the butterflies that's great it's isn't it 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, we have all the technology, we have all that. And I tell you, I've talked to a lot of guys and I feel so, so much more comfortable when I see a chart and I see a graph and all that. But um, I, I just felt like everybody talks about that. And we, um, I've been asked to speak a long time, you know, at the convention. And my thing is that people don't want to hear what I say because it's too boring. It's, it's coming out every day with our approach. We try to make everything simple. And um, I, I, I guess I think more from the player's perspective, um, they don't care if I know more about whatever. They just want, I want to put the, their body in a position to be, but I was really nervous more so about like, it's too simple and too boring. That was probably my main, my main concern, but I got a lot of, a lot of emails and text messages and saying that it was just good to hear, you know, from that standpoint. And I'm in that camp as many years as I've gone to the ABCA, I picked up from the pro guys and the upper level guys that they kept things simple. That's what I always picked up from the better instructors out there is they kept things. They're not overcomplicating this process. They're keeping yeah. it simple because hitting is extremely difficult. It's a very it, hard thing to do. It is. And, you know, we talk about the middle. I'm sure Jake could go through all the routine. You know, we're routine oriented, you know, here at, at Louisville, there's just a process that we, they go through and, um, with everything that we do, guys should be able to know if they feel the ground or not, if they use their pelvis correctly, if they use their torso, their shoulders and their hands. And um, like I said, it's, it's about controlling the strike zone, moving the ball. And uh, we talk our powers doubles, you know, and, and uh, as these guys get older, and they're still playing professionally. I think the power comes as they get older. And uh, I just see a lot of younger guys trying to create the power early because everybody talks about it. And, um, you know, it's just about con hard, consistent contact. And we just drill it in every day. I'm sure you got sick of it. They get sick of me saying the same simple thing every single day. But I guarantee it when they're in a position where things aren't going the right way or where they want to go, I know they can go right back to that and make it simple. Jake, what do you feel like your best tempo is as a hitter? You know, tempo through your low, tempo through your swing, because I think everybody's a little different with that is too. When, what is your, what do you feel like your best tempo is? Uh, we kind of talked about it last year because there was a point in time where I was just getting started late. So kind of focus in on getting started at handbrake. So you're going um, off handbrake. Yeah, and then we kind of look more into it. What would I start with? I always thought I started with my hands when it was going well, but in reality, I would always actually start with my foot coming off the ground first so kind of being able to actually when it's going well to see that kind of a thing um i mean that really that really helped me going into pretty much where i am right now do you go earlier when you need to at times um it just kind of depends like i mean if you got some dude throwing throwing 100 and they're they're kind of a little bit slower uh in their windup i mean it kind of you might have to go actually a little bit later opposed to a guy who, I mean, is he's throwing hard and he's just going quick. But I mean, it's just kind of a, kind of a thing. You got to watch the pitcher and you got to really um, kind of feel it out for yourself. Do you move in the box at all? Uh, started to uh, lefty hit lefties really well this last, this last year. 
um, I actually started moving up and off the plate um, just so that off speed, it kind of more up and I can kind of, I mean, I, for me, I just see it better. That was my adjustment off soft lefties was to move up. I know some guys don't like moving around the box, but I, I loved moving up off lefties to take away the change up just to mm -hmm. give myself a chance. I never liked waiting. Now, right. if, if you're going to tinker around with your timing as far as when a guy's starting and when you're starting, are you doing that on deck? Are you doing it in the dugout? When are you making that decision that, hey, I'm going to have to change my timing off off this pitcher? Uh, well, for, for me, uh, this summer, it mostly hit leadoff. So I would literally run as fast as I could back to the dugout from the outfield. And, I mean, I only got, like, you got five pitches to kind of figure it out. So you got five little uh, tests pretty much test pitches to figure out what's going to be the best. So um, as you kind of get used to it and you kind of get used to being in that kind of a position, you better understand um, when you need to get started kind of in order to put yourself in a better position to be able to hit. Were they okay with you swinging first pitch of the game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because in spring training, um, I got grilled a little bit because I like there was a fastball. It wasn't right down the middle, but I mean, it was – not a bad pitch of the hit. It was like the first at bat, first pitch of the game. I didn't swing. I got I got grilled a little bit. So I mean, they want us to be aggressive, which I mean, I think that's a good thing. You don't want to. You look at the numbers. You don't want to fall fall behind because I mean, oh one huge difference going to oh one. Even just oh yeah. one is a huge difference than mm -hmm. swinging oh oh. Right for sure. Yeah, my dad, it, my dad used to hammer us because yeah. the high school coach I played for, we had to take, we had like pages of takes. And so he had to retrain us how to, to swing first pitch. But I love, I love jumping the first pitch. If you could, it sets a tempo. Right. Yeah, we, we had that, we had that talk a I think lot. he texted me last night and said, get your swing off first pitch. I did. I think I did that. Did I do that last I night? I think it was last night. Yeah. Get your swing off, because I, I saw the 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 video of uh, Tony Gwynn facing Randy Johnson with two strikes. Yeah. Where, you know, our our whole thing is get your swing off early, move the ball with two strikes. And I saw that Tony Gwynn swing. You know, and yeah, uh, three hundred to two strikes. That's it's right, crazy, crazy stat. It is. But that at bat off that just showed how good he was. So good. And even though I didn't hit left handed, like I loved watching Tony Gwynn hit. Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, loved watching Ozzy Smith run, uh, you know, Willie McGee, Vince Coleman, the way those guys ran, but then how Gwynn and Boggs and those guys would just piece at bats together. Mark Grace was another guy that just they just pieced at bats together because they had the knack for finding their barrel they could they yeah. could feel their hands and they could find barrels yeah no doubt no doubt what are some final thoughts for you guys you know father son part you know there's a million people that have to coach their kids uh, you know that side of it baseball side of it um you know things that maybe we could do to help grow the game right now just what are some final thoughts for you guys um i think the biggest thing is just don't make it for me I just never wanted it to be like I felt like I was like in a different spot than everyone else um so whether I mean it's actually in the game or I mean going through practice or whatever I just never wanted to be felt like I was like in some way being treated differently um whether that's I mean a coach being or a dad being too nice to the guy or I mean you see it all the time maybe the dad's being too mean to the guy kind of a thing because I mean I've seen that too growing up um I think it's just about keeping it all the same 
Eric, what do you got? I just, uh, I think it's just watching your kid grow and, uh, I can't believe he's going to be 22, you know, enjoy it. Um, there's no reason to get mad or upset. The kid works hard and he enjoys playing. And I always said this, if he gives a hundred percent, I'll give it a hundred percent right back at him and, uh, you know, keep it real, but have fun playing the game, enjoy your family. And, um, once the game's over, buy him an ice cream cone. <laughs> Even if he walks or doesn't get his hits, still buy him the ice cream cone. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you guys coming on with me, especially on Mother's Day. But I've always enjoyed talking to both of you. And Eric, you've meant a lot to me over the years, just the baseball conversations that we've had. Um, I've always appreciated everything that you've done for me and, and for the game. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate the Brownlee family. Oh, yeah. Because got a chance to meet you know your dad a long long time ago and uh, he's a good man and you know he's a as a young coach and he was older you know you learn from those guys and I just say I'm still learning we're all learning just keep learning yep. all right have a great day guys hey Bye, thanks right baseball truly is America's pastime we are all stewards of this great game I'm so excited to shine a light on these unique perspectives all of these guests show their passion and love for each other and the great game of baseball. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks for listening to Father and Son, and remember to leave it better for those behind you.